At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Admiral Akbar here to tell you that it's time to do the show. Bye bye, meet Sue the Doe with Aaron and an A. They're streaming on Mixler every Tuesday at noon central or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Your ears can't repel humor of this magnitude, so it's time for the show to begin. Let's listen in. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, here's Aaron and Danae! It's a pre-recorded podcast. <laughs> Aren't all podcasts pre-recorded? Oh, right. <laughs> it does get weird, right? Because we do it live. But in this case, this podcast that you're listening to didn't actually air live. I guess you say straight to the, your podcast feed podcast. There you go. We're, we are traveling this week. Yeah, we're out. So, But still very excited for this conversation. Uh, it's an NLS episode about what it means to be an artist. We have a friend named Jason uh, who works at another radio station that we've been in contact with. And uh, he is a true-to-life artist. He does, you know, real paintings with mixed media. And I was excited to talk to him about what that means, how he got started, what it means to be an artist and a Christian, all those kind of things. It's also really kind because Jason's not feeling well and he still spoke with us. You might hear it in his voice. He's a great, like, deep radio voice. He does. But it's like he even also has a deeper. really good microphone. Yeah. <laughs> So hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Stick around at the end for a couple more announcements and we'll get right to it. We now join the conversation already in progress. Sorry you're under the weather. It's been going going on around here too. Uh, Danae's just kind of on the upswing from something. My wife is on the upswing from something. I am really surprised I haven't gotten hit because everybody in my life seems to be getting hit. So... I usually don't, but my four-year-old daughter is just coughing directly into my face every time. (laughs) That's so nice of her. aims at me, I think. It's like, hey, cover your mouth. Don't... I've decided the reason I don't get sick much anymore is because of my kids, because they have exposed me to probably every virus known to man, and my body has all the antibodies now. I've just, I've covered them all. I've checked them all off my list. We have bingo. <laughs> it's something Virus like bingo? Yes, I Sounds won horrible. virus bingo. I did. <laughs> it's so good. It's disgusting. Well, it's, you know, it's disgusting, but then you win, you know, and you're good to go. So e. you think you've been given- E. coli, mm-hmm. Bingo! 
Bingo. That's better than the lottery right there because, you know, you can be a millionaire and still be sick. That's still be true. Bedridden. See? It's true. So have a bunch of kids, send them out into the world, let them interact. I just realized why I got sick. Why did you get sick today? Because that day that my husband coughed and he turned towards me, uh-huh. it, it was like involuntary. He didn't do it on purpose. Okay. Coughed, phlegm, flew out of the back of his throat. It was like slow oh motion. <laughs> and somehow... <laughs> Missed my eye, like or, or my glasses, and hit me in the corner of the eye and the corner of my mouth, and it was like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> now I know zero. why. Patient zero. Oh, I'm gonna text him that I figured it out, and I am really upset. <laughs> yes, you married he a phlegm launcher. Buying dessert tonight <laughs> to make it up. Like, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> well, we are sad that you're under the weather, but we are excited to talk to you. Uh, thanks for joining us to talk a little bit about kind of what it means to be an artist, what it means to be a Christian and an artist. And when we say artist, we don't mean musical artist. No, we mean like, you know, painting and uh, mixed media. Just start by telling us a little bit about kind of what you do as an artist. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm 33 now and I've been painting since I was 18. I've kind of always like thought of myself as an artist, even though even when I was a kid, um, not, not from like a like, you know, you're a kid, you're an artist. But my grandpa was, was a great artist and my brother who was about three years older than me, uh, was also just really good, always like the best in his class. So I had this idea, which I don't really agree with now, but I had this idea back when I was a kid like that that maybe there was uh, something in the gene pool that I had to do this thing. Ah. So, um, like so part I of your always, DNA? Like, yeah, yeah. So I always like had that bent to like want to go that direction. And so like I, I think that part of that that constant exploration – um, just from sort of seeing that as part of the identity is maybe where that came from. And uh, for me, um, I, I think I, I've just been exploring and creating that still as a 33-year-old. So what was like the uh, first time you interacted in your environment in what you would call like an artistic, quote-unquote, way? You know, like you you did something uh, artistic. Oh, yeah. So I remember this very vividly. I was two. No, I'm kidding. I, I Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> I was in um, the womb. Gross. I did some cave paintings. <laughs> no, because two is diaper art. Yes. Yeah. It, it, I did that. Hey, there's stories. mixed media. You know, it's just you oh do what my you can. Gosh. I did that. <laughs> of course you did. We all did. You did? Of course. Who didn't paint with Fing- their poop when they were paint. a kid? Yeah. It's Finger absolutely. Paint and it's, it doesn't cost a thing. Great. <laughs> I felt special till just now. <laughs> Sorry like, about that. I painted with poo when I was a baby. Apparently everyone has. Did you find yourself when you were a kid, though, uh, doing kind of creative things with the way things looked or those kind of things? Uh, I did. And, and I think that it, part of it had to do with having an old... My, so my brother's two and a half years older uh, than myself. He ended up being an art teacher. And he's still... He's just... He's brilliant. And um, I always wanted to like be like him. I think part of it had to do with maybe the accolades that I would see my family members giving to him. Like, Johnny is such a great, he's so good. And he really is. And I, I don't know, maybe some of that was birthed out of jealousy of just always trying to be like him. Uh-huh. But but uh, yeah, just always trying to find myself, but always being uh, two and a half years behind. So for like a six-year-old, uh, m- making the art compared to an eight and a half-year-old, it was, it was always, always worse. Obviously. Right, right. So you always ha- he always had a leg up on you. Do you still oh, feel yeah. like that, even like at your age right now, that you know he's just got a leg up on you and you'll never catch him? You know what? Yeah, but the thing is, like, he he's at a place where um, I think when, when you become an art teacher, 
you, you probably don't want to uh, create quite as much. But uh, I'm always like, like texting him, dude. You you gotta you gotta paint something because like, I just I just think he's the best. I think he's so good. And um, he, 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 there's been times where he's like maybe tried to use my style of like mixed media, and I'm just like, man, you do that so much better than I do. You you need to just keep going with that. So he he he's a rock star. When was the first time, when was the first time you feel like you made a piece, you know, like this is, this is something I could give to somebody or sell to somebody or, you know, here is a a, a project that I've done. When did that happen? So that, that happened when I was probably 18 or 19. Um, There's a couple different styles I was going with. One was this very like, kind of like refined uh, detail, uh, like abstract stuff. Like it was like... uh, refined detailed cubism and i was using like india ink and acrylic and uh so that was back when i was like 19 years old but at the same time i was like i grabbed this this old decrepit uh basically a card table that was my great grandmother's it was falling apart and i I just kept like pouring uh mod podge tar all kinds of things i broke open some beads I took some old pottery that I did that that was awful uh, in, in a pottery class, which I totally failed at the the pottery wheel, uh, and just kind of applied all this stuff and made this giant blue robot face. Yes, and I still have it hanging in my office, and that was back when I was probably nineteen years. I think you guys saw that one time when you came over. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, I, the, the big weird blue robot face. That was one of the first things you did. Yeah. Oh, like that's cool. So do you so. keep it as kind of like a like a remembrance of like This you is know, where I came this from. This is where the seed bloomed. <laughs> yeah, so basically those two paintings uh, that I was creating around that time when I was just kind of trying to find myself as an artist. Those are both in my office and um you know, to me they're they're special in in under in, in as a piece and in, in in a way that they would just not be special to anybody else, I think. So Yeah. Yeah, I tend to want to hold on to those. Do you hide messages in like every piece? <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. You have like a cameo? Yeah, I take little recorded pieces and put flash drives into uh, into painting. No, um, <laughs> yes. that'd be genius. <laughs> you know what? I don't have I don't have rules uh, like that or, um, that I that I might follow. I mean, that, that's kind of a interesting idea. Um, I try to incorporate some symbolism sometime. Uh, one of the things I'm wanting to uh, to do is uh, like the Valley of Dry Bones. And I want to uh, incorporate the the style of like found objects that I used, whether it's, you know, fabrics, um, different textures, maybe some plaster and cement. And I uh, want to have that at, at the bottom of a, of a painting, where it's all these like broken, broken bones and all that. Mm. And as it rises up, get more to that like refined cubism thing, um, where where it's like God's spirit breathing in, Whoa. where it kind of comes alive. So that's kind of what I'm going to be working on soon. But so in in a sense, yeah, I try to incorporate symbolism, and it's usually it's usually biblical. And I think with abstract, there's so many cool stories, whether it's from Revelation or Ezekiel or or whatever, you know, Isaiah, that uh, really lends itself to abstract. I think a lot of times we think of biblical paintings, we think of um, you know some of the the old masters. But um, there, there's some great work being done out there by, by Christians. E- even Google Images uh, can show you that almost putting the word abstract next to any concept and you'll, you'll find something uh, usually pretty beautiful. Do you find uh, being, how does being a Christian like influence 
what you do artistically? Like, is it, uh, is it the center and then everything comes out from there or? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't like, um, dictate that like everything's going to be biblical. I, I sort of just see that God has, uh, may, maybe gifted me in this way and I want to explore it all the time. I don't want to let this thing just rest and, and not, not try to continue growing as an artist. And one of the things that I'm trying to just like really explore is how different fabrics interact with each other and uh, interact with a paintbrush. Um, kind of how like uh, if you put paper over a grave and you uh, did a grave rubbing yeah. on it. Um, just trying to, trying to explore and trying to see what looks beautiful. So it, it's like, don't let the gift die or don't let, you know, don't let the talent die. Don't bury it. I think that's a great way to explain it. And I, you hear that too with, so it's similar like in music when a quote unquote Christian artist will have to have JPMs, you know, Jesus's per minute. And you, you kind right. of fight against that where it's like, no, I've been given a gift to create something artistically. Uh, if I use that and I follow that, I'm going to inherently be pointing to the creator of that gift, you know, so to be yeah. able to kind of explore your world in that way, I think is a good way to look at it. Yeah. So I want to do things like the Valley of Dry Bones and I, I want those symbols, you know, to come through, but I don't want, I don't want to be, you know, I don't, I don't want to put myself in the box cause I don't feel like God's put me in that box. I, I don't feel like I have to always create something that is only, only pointing as an example. Here's another thing. I think I told you guys, I'm getting ready to do a, uh, a fundraiser where hundred percent of the proceeds uh, benefit victims of human trafficking. Um, so I just want to create something beautiful, you know, in the eye of the beholder, uh, to where somebody could buy that and, and it could go to a great, a great cause, you know, and again, that's not always the rule. Uh, but this is another way that I feel like, like I can use that gift to, to glorify God. I have a question. I have a question. Pick me. You, Danae. Yes. Your turn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you finish your paintings? Is it like every time you start, you complete it? Or like, how does that work yeah. for you? That's a good question. Um, I'd say in the past two weeks, there's two paintings that I finished that I've sort of had in a back room for a long time um, that I've just really been wrestling with. One of them is, uh, had a really hard time with the face of one of these women because I'm not doing realism, I'm doing uh, abstracts. So I was like, well, what really works? And sometimes I would just like put a piece of fabric completely over and start from scratch because a lot of what I do is built up and texture-based. So it's not like, oh, you didn't get the eyes right. It's more, uh, it's more subjective than that. It's like, what looks, what's going to fit this, uh, this big composition? And so that was kind of a struggle. And I would consider that I, that I think I finished it in, in this past week. And another one, I... Uh, was on Instagram, um, and I saw some some uh, like weird, colorful squares that an artist was doing. And I was thinking, you know what? I want to incorporate that into this older painting that I have that I really hate. And I kind of revived it, and uh, and so I I think oh, I like fun. that painting now. That's something that's something to consider, right? Like for me, growing up, being somebody who I've always wanted to be artistic but i lack follow through on like a really horrible level oh me too and also i used to just destroy my art like literally i would get so frustrated that i couldn't like bring it out of me or whatever or maybe i wasn't skilled enough to do it 
that instead of like just staying with it or you mean setting it never it looked aside, like what you wanted it to look like right or it okay. just wasn't working whatever yeah, whatever yeah. it would would be i'd light it on fire i well, that's, that's art right there rip that's it up. performance art <laughs> i used to, to videotape that stuff i used to doodle um on napkins or paper and then i would just throw them away and people would go and take it out of the trash they'd be like you can't throw this away and i'm like well i'm done with it you know so it's interesting now to kind of think, oh man, you know, if I would have been less angry with myself or whatever the process, mm-hmm. you know, that I could have these things you could go back to and and experience and be like, oh, you know, it's time to revive you. Yeah. P- painting yeah. in the corner instead of, oh yeah, I did a painting like that once. It's probably at the bottom of a dumpster by now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever look at an old piece you've done uh, that it's been a while and you've in and you reinterpret it like you you had a certain emotion or idea in mind when you made it and then you go back to it and it's like oh now i'm getting something else from it that's you know meaningful does that ever happen does it ever evolve on you yeah it does and uh you touched on something else um i a lot of times in art like you you have a gallery show or something like that and you got to stand by the pieces and you got to say exactly what you were thinking um almost as, as a sense of legitimacy uh, to anything you're creating, you got to interpret, especially in abstract. Um, but I just love it when somebody else can sort of see something and interpret and uh, take away a feeling from it. I almost don't like the whole pigeonholing of this is exactly what this means. But yeah, um, that that's happened with a lot of paintings just for me, even personally. It's like I might see something different, see something in a new light. Um, over time, but yeah, definitely deriving different meaning meanings over time. I can't really think of a lot of great examples, but that is uh, surely something that happens. It probably happens too with people looking at it, and like you know, mm-hmm. you know what you were thinking when you created it, or what it speaks to you, and then someone else sees it, and then they have a totally different interpretation. Yeah, and I don't ever want to correct somebody. No, uh, if they they say that. Like I, to me, I think that's that's good. Yeah, I want that. I totally agree with you. Doodles are fun like that because. You know, like you just turn like around. Rorschach test doodles. Yeah, you yeah. get to see what you want. <laughs> That's exactly. true. Or cooperative, you know, cooperative doodles where you start with the structure of something and you let somebody else kind of draw on some lines and it becomes something, you know, between the two of you. And It's a really good test of control. It's Does improv, right? it, Yeah, it's art prov. Yes, and. <laughs> yes, and with art. <laughs> yes, and is important. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, and it is. Um. So tell me a little bit. We like to, in this segment of the podcast that we do, which we uh, we call NLS, No Label Safe, being labeled an artist. You know, when people hear, oh, you are an artist, you paint, you do these things. What do you think you feel is the most... Uh, like misunderstood. The misunderstood or... part of that. Yeah, the, the judgment part of that that kind of comes when people hear that you're an artist. Lazy bum on a couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I've always struggled with with people seeing me as as a person who who might lack follow through, like Danae said. And uh, and to all the haters, they are so right. Um, <laughs> I'm horrible. Right? <laughs> you know what, though? Have you guys ever read uh, David and Goliath from, from Malcolm Gladwell? No. Or, okay. it, it, he, he talks about a concept uh, in that book where it's like, you know, you have this expectation of somebody and, and they can more easily shatter it. And I feel like that's one thing that I... Uh, I can do. So like anytime I follow through on something, it's like, uh, you know, when you celebrate a little child for doing something very insignificant. Oh, my goodness. That's so great. So um, that's kind of a strength in a sense that I can rely on. 
I, I can't think of a lot of great ones, but one thing that I, I can think, you know, going back to the art gallery is sometimes there's this expectation on, um, on artists, uh, visual artists, uh, especially being in a university town uh, in Champaign, Illinois, at the University of Illinois. Uh, there's always this question uh, from people in the art culture, art community, and that is like, so did, did you go to the university? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't. I did not. Uh, I, I didn't really feel like that was the path I wanted to go down. Um, I, you know, applaud many who've gone that route. My brother went that route, uh, and he's got a great career in art uh, as a result of it. Uh, for me, I, I really, uh, I went into radio uh, like you guys, and I felt like that was uh, kind of a call in my life. So that was the approach I took. But I definitely, I do study. Um, I don't have a piece of paper that says I studied, but I'm always uh, trying to push the boundaries. I'm looking at the the experts and, and looking at videos and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. Sometimes in the art world, there, there's this perception that, that you have to have a degree uh, to, mm, to have yeah. an established legitimacy. No, that's, that's actually a really good one that you deal with even outside of the art world is this idea of being educated or uneducated and that somehow getting a piece of paper or a diploma you know, makes you, you know, gives you more value in what you do uh, and those kind of things. And I think we have this warped sense of what education really is, you know, just because it's not structured education doesn't mean you're not learning or that you, you know, aren't growing or maturing. So yeah. I know I think that's very valid. Or don't have skills and talent. Right. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. All the haters out there. I didn't go to college. <laughs> Get over it. I'm just kidding. I when, mean, when I, I go to the movies, I, I can <laughs> tell them. Uh, I am a student. I'm a student of life. That's right. Uh, I'll take the discount, please. That's right. That's right. If only they listened. If only they believed you. (laughs) What about getting like any kind of label type flack from within the Christian community? Because oftentimes as an artist, you know, there's different perspectives on the human body or, you know, just life statements that you kind of put into your art. Do you ever get anyone that kind of like wishes that you would be different? You know what? The, the, I guess when I think about that, I always think about nudes because you said body and, uh, and you know, Christian um, when it comes to art. Everybody's doing nudes. I, uh, I did a, um, an acrylic uh, abstract painting for my wife for this isn't going where you think it's going for, uh, for Christmas. <laughs> it's, it's not my wife. Uh, but I did. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mark Chagall. Um, Mark Chagall uh, kind of would just do some sketching that uh, doesn't appear to be based on on real life sketches, and uh, it was kind of this dream world, very colorful, kind of like Picasso, uh, but not really. You know the the picture of like the green man face and like the sheep. Yeah, who's that guy? That's Mark Chagall. Okay, so um, he he's one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to uh, just the brush itself, and uh, so I did a painting like this. My wife's a birth doula. So I have my wife there as the person who takes the woman on the journey next to a, a naked pregnant woman. Well, it's a very abstract uh, naked pregnant woman. Um, but I, I really haven't put that one out there a whole lot. I put it in my Instagram feed from kind of far away, but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't sit in front of a nude, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So uh, I guess it's a rule that I put on my <laughs> myself. Yeah, that's But is that like deal. a decision that you make because you don't want the flack or is it because mm. you as an artist just aren't like that's just not something that you have had interest in pursuing yeah can you see a christian artist uh who would paint nudes is that something you know are do those worlds are they even able to to cross yeah i don't know um pro- probably possibly i mean for me I, I think that my own um like when i think about movies um 
I have no problem watching a guy's head get split open. Uh, but when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, like a sex scene or something, it's something that I, I personally struggle with. So it's not something that I want, I want to put my, so, uh, I wonder if guys have a harder time with that than women. I really don't know. Well, Aaron, as a movie critic, I mean, Hey, surely. absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you said that. That is, uh, you know, I see every single movie that comes out and certainly I do get, you know, some flack from within the Christian community for seeing certain types of movies that, and it's always the sex. It's always if mm-hmm. a movie has sex or nudity that Christians seem to, I shouldn't say always, but it usually seems to be the ones that have sexuality or, or nudity or those kind of things that Christians get up in arms about. Um, and, and I get it. I understand, you know, how we want to, um, vehemently protect the sexual experiences God intended it. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I understand that, but at the same time, I think that protection in many ways has shifted and warped our view of the human body in a lot of ways that the yeah. human body is inherently sexual and it's, it's not, you know, it may be inherently sensual because of sight, but to connect that directly to sex just because, you know, there's nudity, I don't know that I would go that far. But, I, you right. know, I think I'm probably in the minority of Christians on that because I think most of us are taught, you know, if you see a naked person, that's bad, you know, kind of idea. I mean, it's, there's a huge conversation going on about that uh, culturally, uh, just right now, everything from breastfeeding. Right. And my wife being so connected with uh, like the birth community and um, just women's reproduction. Um, it's something that she, you know, she has a lot of opinions about, uh, and, and, you know, shares those opinions with maybe more of like, like what you're talking about. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that I, I agree, uh, for the most part, you know, with that sentiment. It's like, you can agree with it, but at the same time, if it's not something that you drive with individually, that's fine too. You oh know? yeah. Like, nobody, yeah, yeah. Nobody would because be. Here's, here's the frustrating, the frustrating part is like when we just lump people in, when we label things as like, right. okay, so you're this, so you're a Christian. So that means that you're against this or you're right. a nudist. So that means you're against this or, you know, whatever right. the conversation goes, but you know, as from an art perspective, um, and in the world of art and putting visual pieces together for people to enjoy, you know, oftentimes yeah. you do see the human body at play in there somewhere and it does evoke emotion. Um, but whether or not you particularly, you know, Jason work with nudes or not, wasn't necessarily <laughs> where we, I intended to kind of go. <laughs> just oh, a question. <laughs> it was just a question. I, I scratched the surface of a much bigger thing. I think. It is. A, I think it really is a big issue for Christians, though, whether it be in the art world yeah. or, or whatever, that we understand, you know, where ethics and morality and the idea of how you interact with the world around you, you know, comes from. And mm-hmm. each of us are can be in touch with our Creator to guide us in those things, and we're in touch, you know, with the words that He's left for us through Scripture, and we're in touch with each other who have wisdom. And all this touching, can we just—it's <laughs> making me uncomfortable. And we all do voiceover, right? Yeah. So there's always this idea of like, you know, when a new a new client comes to you, oh man, I do Christian radio and I do voiceover. Can I really? Can, can I do that product? Is my boss going to be okay with that? Am I personally yeah, okay with sure. that? Mm-hmm. So. Isn't that it, interesting. It, it's all it's all it's not just in art. It's all over the darn place. It it really is. It's not easy being a Christian for many reasons. <laughs> well, because everybody has different expectations about what that means. Yes. And I think the more we can we can really uh allow convictions to be individual. Well, I was gonna or... say vertical. You know, I was gonna say the more we can yes. allow them to That's be what vertical I mean. and less horizontal, 
uh, I think the better we're going to be. You mean be. like like if I'm convicted about something, it's because it's coming from source. It's like it's coming yeah, from yeah. God. It's yeah, not coming exactly. from my neighbor who thinks that, yeah. you know. And, and I'm not saying we can't have, again, have wisdom for each other. You know, you can give somebody wisdom, but you cannot convict them of something. That's not can our you, job. Can you paint something that portrays all of this? <laughs> yes. Okay. No, I, the, wheels, the wheels in my head have been turning. No, I'm kidding. Hey, guys, we're just going to take a brief moment to talk a little bit about Patreon, and then we'll be right back to the interview with Jason. So patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae is where support comes in for this podcast network. Yeah, like Kickstarter does like big events, you know, mm-hmm. they raise a whole bunch of money. Patreon is basically the same thing, but it's a monthly giving, and it's, that's actually how we sustain here at the studio. So it's more kick continuer. Instead kick of kicks. continue. <laughs> kick tenue. Kick tenure is what, what it is. Patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. There's also quick links at our website, which is AaronAndDanae.com. If you would just consider giving a dollar, three dollars, ten dollars a month, whatever you would like to support this podcast network. We'd love it. We appreciate it. It means the world to us uh, because people like you support this is the reason that it happens. So go to patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae and uh, let us know how you want to help out. Back to the interview. Do you have that happen? Like where you have a conversation that you find inspirational and all of a sudden you have like 10 ideas to paint or draw or create? Yes, especially lately. I've been creating a lot more lately and um, especially looking on Instagram, some of the uh, some of the artists checking out some of the hashtags that I might put on my art and just being inspired by other people. And then, yeah, being in a conversation with my wife and saying, all right, hold on, I got to go down to the basement. I know it's getting <laughs> annoying for her. But yes, that's definitely happening. But that's much better than be like, hold on, I need to go back and finish up that level of, you know, Candy Crush or whatever. You know, like <laughs> it is. It's better yeah, I because think it's you're more acceptable. Yeah, isn't it? it is. It's more reasonable. <laughs> like I care about you. I love you. I love this conversation. I've got to go. <laughs> the inspiration is calling. To <laughs> I've me. got a video game I have to play. No, when you tell somebody it. you've inspired me, you know, there's something uh, allows you to get a free pass on that. Right? You have inspired me. The problem thing you just said is if she goes to the basement and you're napping. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't or happen though, Netflix. right? Yeah. No. <laughs> Do you listen to music when you go into the zone or silence? You know, um, sometimes I usually listen to podcasts, um, but I want. I've been trying to listen to like worship music. Trying to, uh, I, especially when I do abstracts. I don't know. There's something about the feel and the flow of music. Um, like like you just kind of move differently. You know, like when you dance, when music's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, painting kind of has some of that similar, especially with, you know, with abstract. If you're making maybe this curvy line or something, and it's just this free flowy feel. You get yeah. in tune with the rhythm. And I feel like somehow that that... Um, helps a better painting to turn out. I don't know if that's true. Well, I know like if you see like a lot of the stage painters who I've seen at conferences and different things like that, they definitely have that feel of dancing while they're painting, you know, like yeah. it's, it's almost like a combined uh, art form, you know, it's like interpretive dance painting or something. Um, with Can the way I say something to that real quick? Yeah, please do. Uh, you know, back when I was about 21 years old, um, I went to a church and uh, love these people, my family and they, um, they wanted me to do that, uh, you know, because I was a painter and I did it. Um, they, I did a painting of the face of Jesus in four minutes and I was so stressed leading up to it and, uh, ended up doing it. And I really did not enjoy the experience. And I, uh, for me, one of the, my big takeaways from that is that we're all created differently 
and that we all have this own th- our own thing that we can go after. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, in my young Christian mind, I felt like I was supposed to be a Jesus painter or something on stage because I was a painter and I was a Christian and everybody was seeing people oh, that's so paint, good. Yeah. paint these faces of Jesus. But uh, I don't know, as a 33-year-old wiser person, I've uh, I've recognized that that is not the type of art that that God called me to, but I bless those, you know. <laughs> absolutely called called to that. I I absolutely I love that because I think you've gotten to kind of the core of one of the judgments that we might talk about, which is you know when you're a Christian in a certain profession, you're expected to do things a certain way, or you're you know you feel the pressure to be like the people who have come before you. I that's the same in radio too. You know, there's a certain type of way that you know christian radio sounds and that it happens and you know a lot of uh what we do what danae and i do is different than that it's not some you know necessarily like the podcasting we do the different things we do it it doesn't sound the same it's you know it's a little more raw it's a little more vulnerable in some ways and and we feel that pressure as well to you know craft things but at the same time like i think it's important that you try to jump into and do what's been done before to figure out whether or not it's for you or not. Like Jason, you said, you know, you, you gave it a go and it was very mm-hmm. clear in that experience. Okay. I'm not a four minute Jesus face painter in front of a stu- in front of an audience of people to worship music. If I'm going right. to, you know, do a, a Jesus face, it's going to be like with broken pottery pieces. And wouldn't that be cool? Um, yes. you know, like in, in different layers, like it would need to be kind of in your own expression. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of finding yourself in life and figuring out like how you individually express, whether it's art or whatever, whatever comes out of you, mm-hmm. you can try on different ways. And I think we do that. That's, that's how you're born too. like you're born and your parents show you how to do it. And then you break out of that mold and you know, yeah, it's find deep, your own man. way. It is deep. It, it, it's what they tell us in voiceover, right? Uh, you know, you're not going to be successful if you're trying to copy somebody. It's what they tell us in radio. You've got to find your own. Mm-hmm. And this, this, it's the same rule for everything. And it all comes down to God made you unique and uh, you got to find your own expression. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, if you're a carbon copy of somebody, it's pretty boring. And more than that, it's inauthentic. Uh, it's forced, you know. You can find sound a certain way. You can find like groups of people that, you know, maybe you're similar to or you have similarities with. that makes you feel, okay. you know, I'm not I I have others that are like me and you can like you can feel that belonging, which is great. The early impressionists, right? The early impressionists were all like they were deriving ideas from each other uh, and hanging out with each other and and putting on an art show together. yeah, like and and even from the eras of the fifties. I mean, they were they were exploring these these abstract ideas, and that's why I check out other people's stuff on Instagram. I mean, I'm not afraid to say, "Gosh, that is the coolest thing you just did." I love those shapes, you know. But I do want to make it my own. I'm not going to try to carbon copy somebody because mm-hmm. it's uh, the counterfeits are boring. There's also the element in it of, you know, who are you creating to please, too? Because I know in in most artistic endeavors, you can look at the audience and go, okay, I want to, you know, craft something that's going to be perfect for I'm gonna them. I'm going to paint this Jesus face for you. Yeah, yeah. Or, or is it something more that is, you know, coming through you and it's about what your expression is and then the audience reacts however they're going to react or... Do you, do you find trouble, or maybe not even trouble, but, you know, mm-hmm. how do you look at the balance of, of that aspect of creating art? 
Yeah. Um, sometimes when I do a commission, like I did a commission for somebody, one of the most exciting projects I did, uh, usually uh, my first answer is when you're creating for somebody else, it can be, uh, it can be boring. Um, you know, I want, I want this very specific portrait. That's not what I'm really interested in. And some people love that and they really thrive in that. Uh, but I worked with a client. Uh, they started up a financial firm and we got to do these four huge abstracts and um, it totally played. They, they wanted to, they were, they were curious about my story and I was curious about their story. So it was these two things coming together and they wanted to take from Isaiah 54, which talk, talks about enlarge your tents. This woman was you know, starting in her new office and uh, she felt like this was a verse that God gave her about um, the growth of her her oh, interesting. Firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, so we did this big tent on one, and it evolved into this, like, jeweled wall. Because it, it also talks about this this wall with all these jewels in Isaiah 54. So mm-hmm. it just kind of evolved. And uh, I had a vision for it based uh, based off of her her life verse. And it was like, hey, here, here's my vision for this. Uh, you know, just kind of sketched it up. We were at a coffee shop. And those two things coming together was really nice. Now, on the other side of that, um, I've, you know, gotten pigeonholed into projects that I wasn't as passionate about. So it is a balance and it, it is a struggle. Um, I've done a lot of flower paintings. I actually like the flower paintings cause I'm, I'm, I'm doing it kind of in my own style. And I know that flowers, um, are something that sell. Uh, there's something that people are interested in. Last time I did a, a fundraiser for human trafficking, I, they were all flower cause it was kind of this broken, beautiful, um, sort of resurrected concept that really seemed to jive. So with this new fundraising thing I'm going to do with, with uh, Hope for Justice, I'm going to launch it, I think, next week. I'll, I'll do a couple of those flower paintings too, just because it, it, it ties in with the message. And I mean, a lot of people want to hang up a flower painting, right? Yeah. It's finding so. that balance, I guess, between the commercial and the artistic, right? Like, you know, to sell mm-hmm. and to create don't have to be mutually exclusive, but finding that balance can be interesting. There's also a thing that happens when you start to get really popular for something you do where the the audience almost starts to purposefully dictate what you're doing. Like they, they, you know, they become so large and so massive. I think of music artists in this way sometimes that it's like they demand that, you know, they want to hear your old classic stuff and here you want to create new stuff. And, you know, they're, yeah. they're looking for, you know, for you to play Freebird or whatever. Stephen <laughs> Curtis Chapman did a little mini concert for our radio station yesterday, which was really cool. And uh, that was what the whole thing was about. You know, and at the end, uh, he was able to uh, to play some new stuff and, and some worship. It was a really sweet time. But yeah, all the hits. And right? you see it with movies too, where you'll hear an actor or an actress talk about doing one for them and then one for me. You know, like doing an independent, you know, cool movie idea that you want to do and then doing a big commercial type movie that demands something else you know finding that artistic balance of feeding both of those you know wolves so to speak of you know creative passion and also commercial success yeah not a lot of actors get to to be uh, gary oldman or <laughs> right leonardo dicaprio or something like that right right for sure so yeah no i i think it's a it's definitely a balance that anybody who's creative in any way is going to have to walk that type tightrope in some way or another at, at some point. So, what sells? You got to put food on the table. What gotta, food? That's yeah. weird. Who needs food? That's just weird. <laughs> Did you ever play with your food? Make it into little you know mixed media art. <laughs> yeah, I used to take the toppings off my pizza and then eat the bread. That counts. So yeah, I'd eat the toppings first. So my, for whatever reason, it really bothered my parents. I, my wife is the same way. It just, it kills her when my boys will eat things differently. Like you mentioned pizza. 
my oldest son when to this day still if we get a pepperoni pizza he'll take the piece of pizza or three pieces of pizza he'll take all the pepperonis off he will stack them and eat the pepperonis <laughs> and then he will eat the rest of the pizza <laughs> like, there's something about the I, you know for me it was it was the pepperonis too which was one of the most enjoyable things to do that with sometimes they get so crispy and it's like eating bacon mm-hmm. it's delicious yeah it's wonderful so I, I think that's why kids want to take the pepperoni off and eat it my dad he takes everything and then he mixes it together he's a food mixer he's a mixer wow <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is? Doesn't doesn't normally matter. Like, let's say that it's mashed potatoes, cottage cheese, peas, uh-huh. gravy. Yeah. You just corn. All, corn all, mm-hmm. all together in the middle. And then, like, he kind of, like, sops it up with the meat and eats it. <laughs> so, what you, okay, so the meat, the meat is the structure. It's the carrier. Right. It's the yeah. carrier. And then everything else gets mixed in. That's right. To be, like, the topping. And then, and then now, now tell me... Ew, why are you doing it that way? That's what my mom says. Uh-huh. Okay, so Ew, you, why are you doing it that way? It's how it ends up in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> Something like that. Something because like my that. gut doesn't have taste buds. <laughs> That's why it matters. Uh, maybe you burned my, them all off or something. Yeah, right. My my friend and coworker dipped a chocolate chip cookie into lemonade yesterday. And <gasps> I don't know what that was all about. Uh, that that's that's just about being evil. I think is what that's about. That's <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know. There's certain tastes that people just like together. I mean, you can have your problems with the human form. I've got problems with chocolate chip cookies and lemonade. <laughs> but hey, it's their it's their taste bud art of choice. That's right. That's okay. I, okay, I can give wisdom, man. but not conviction. I it's, understand. It's the it's their landscape of their mouth, and and they get to you know absorb whatever the, the landscape medium. of the mouth. That's right. My taste buds are abstract, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Cubism. <laughs> <laughs> Cubism. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I don't know. I just said it. <laughs> so yeah. tell me, tell me a little bit more about this thing that you're doing for um, uh, to battle human trafficking, uh, and where and how people could help out if they wanted to help out. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that I mean, it seems like everybody's passionate about um, because it's like, oh my gosh, it's so wrong. It's well, so, it's kind uh, of the. I mean, it is. Uh, I picture it at least is one of the great greatest evils still existing on our our planet you know that it really just kind of goes on unchecked in some places yeah you think about like um you know in the bible it talks about all these times god setting the captives free it's like it goes against the nature of god and i think that's maybe part of why it's so detestable to all of his creation uh who has any sense of moral compass so hope for justice is the organization i'm trying to raise money for uh, our radio station's doing a big um, marathon fundraiser and uh, hoping to raise 150 grand. We'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully we'll raise more. Uh, but I thought, well, what can I do? I really don't want to run. Um, I recently <laughs> got like plantar fasciitis and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't even like walk. So oh, uh, my wife has now, that. It's, it's awful, man. Oh. But I still don't want to go running uh, just because it's getting better. Um, so... I thought, man, I've got some of these paintings lying around, even some of the flower ones still that that didn't sell last time. And um, I've tried to do 50-50 in the past, and it's like, well, send me, send me half, then I'll ship it to you and and all that. It just gets so convoluted. And I thought, um, you know, God blesses me, and uh, hopefully he'll he'll bless me from this. And if not, it's a way that I can use the gift he gave me uh, just to to further a greater cause. It's hope for justice. And uh, so 100% of the proceeds from all the paintings, um, I think minus shipping, 
uh, is, is going to go to this awesome organization. And uh, I don't really have any expectations about how much I'm going to raise. Uh, some of them I may auction and some of them I just may put a, a price tag on. Uh, and I sold one already kind of before the launch. But um, I don't know, man. It, it's such an organization that I think is, is incredible. Uh, they've got, they're working with a former FBI guy. They really know what they're doing uh, in terms of both rescue and restoration. That's so cool. um, I feel Wondering. good about about people giving money to that and, and selling paintings to to further their cause. Well, yeah. I think I think that's pretty awesome, man. That you're doing 100, percent and you know, basically you're donating your hard work to this cause, and I think that's admirable and awesome. And we'll be rooting you on for sure. Yeah, make Thank sure you. if you've got links or anything to a gallery that you're going to be mm-hmm. auctioning off or whatever, send them to us and we'll, we'll link everybody to it. Do you mind talking about, uh, you know, before we finish up here, do you mind talking about the, the financial aspect of it? Like, you know, that's the other, um, I guess judgment is probably too strong a word, but the other, um, oh, what's the word? Assumption. Assumption that you make about an artist is they're starving. <laughs> the, the paintings mm-hmm. don't actually, you know, make money. Um, and I, for the most part, I imagine that to be true, but tell me a little bit about the financial aspect of it, if you don't mind, like, uh, what like, can are a painting you go for? Yes. How do much money do you make every dollars? year? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I'm a millionaire at this point. And it's been awesome. exciting. Yeah. It's been exciting. The journey, because it started off, didn't make a lot. And um, so, yeah, now I'm able, so I'm able to work in non, non-profit radio. Uh, that's uh, amazing. That's right. That's that right. amazing. So that was, that was some, really cool. that was some, uh, that was some top notch. Yes. Ending right there, Jason. Yes. That was, that was yes. really good. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, people don't like to buy paintings. Uh, <laughs> I think that, um, I, you know, one of the things about donating 100% of the proceeds, I think um, it, it may be one thing that pushes somebody over the cliff to, to just even buy, buy a piece of art, which uh, also excites me. Uh, I have had success with selling some art, but it's also a struggle. Uh, you know, and just posting your art, um, it doesn't sell, and I'm a horrible salesperson. Um, galleries take 40% often and it's like, wow, man, so much, so much of my, my sweat and my blood mm-hmm. and tears. Yeah. Uh, just 40%. That's, that's crazy. It seems. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm not making a living on art. Uh, my, my income comes from my radio job and, and voiceover and, uh, those, those are doing well for me. So I figured, you know what, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give some paintings away. Well, it's um, nice to find a, uh, you know, because your other outlets are creative too. You know, radio is a creative yeah. outlet. Voiceover is certainly a creative outlet. You know, so it's nice to, and, and we're, we're the same way, you know, uh, with mm-hmm. what we do with radio and voiceover and podcasting and all that stuff. The podcasting in, in the, uh, you know, YouTube or whatever, those checks are very, very small, you know, but we're mm-hmm. able to find the creative outlet in, you know, doing the radio and, and doing the voiceover. So, yeah, it's, I think that's the same for us. You know, I think that in, in, you know, you talk about YouTube, there's some YouTube stars out there who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Millions. Millions, yeah, a month. And uh, I think the same is similar in the art world. There's some people who are incredibly successful because they've done something that is so unique and good and something they've refined over 20 and 30 years. Um, there's reasons, you know. Yeah, there's something to be said about an actor who strives and pushes past that place of starvation. There's a reason that they're cast in the movie, and a lot of it has to do with with perseverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, for I don't sure. Know. Well, kind of persevere in things. Yep, keep persevering, man. Keep uh, keep painting stuff, and and we appreciate appreciate your time. Today, did you have anything else you wanted to to touch on before we 
say goodbye to Jason? Well, as a massage therapist, I feel like I need to talk about plantar fasciitis. <laughs> Please. What do I do? <laughs> Tennis ball? I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, do you know what fascia is? Not a, could you explain the fascia? Yeah. Okay, so fascia is the second skin of the human body. It's like, okay, have you ever worked with um, raw chicken? Yeah. Okay, okay. You know how sometimes like you'll peel part of it back and it kind of goes like that? Yeah. And, okay, that's fascia, and it's in our bodies too. Its function is to keep us in form, like in a form. It holds our muscles together? It, it doesn't hold muscles together but it's like okay. it, it's made of collagen which is like you know the plump stuff mm -hmm. fibrin and elastin so the elastin is elasticity mm -hmm. and the fibrin is like let's say like you pop a pimple and like the clear stuff that comes out and then okay. it gets hard uh -huh. it's in it's that's what it's made of okay so and it's like uh -huh. this uh layer of tissue in it think of it like a spider's web Sometimes, because it can get kind of sticky, is like, let's say that you have like a tight part of your body or you get injured and you hold your arm in one position for like a really long time. But your muscle heals. But the fascia is now sticky. It takes time and persistence and patience to quote unquote work it out mm. where you unhook it from itself unhook it from the tissue around it is it like when uh like double-sided tape gets all stuck together yes and you, okay you can't Perfect separate example. it yeah so double-sided tape can stick to the you know muscles above it the muscles below it and in order to separate it you just have to kind of like basically hold like put pressure on it and hold mm -hmm. it for a long time and then slowly slowly it begins to just separate from itself so what happens with fasciitis is with this it's extremely painful and I'm I'm so sorry you have to go through it is not only is like all of that tightness and tenseness pulling on the bottom of your foot but then also if if there's inflammation there as well it doesn't like it can't soak back into the body doesn't move out very well so you have like two kind of things going on basically wow. at the same time hmm. so what she's saying is you're out of luck you're no, just gonna be no. in a lot of pain forever all and... of that to say all of that to say um that there's there, there is a way that you can work on your own body and it actually does you can reverse plantar fasciitis but you have to be persistent and uh and stubborn about it anyhow i i highly 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 recommend um, just doing like a, a like a stretch. search for plantar fasciitis massage, and there are there are ways that you can kind of like begin to work on it, but also work on your calf and the front of your shin, and then work on your foot, and then just draw it back up again. But anyhow, if we're if if you have any questions beyond this conversation, let me know because I've worked on people with plantar fasciitis before. Mm. But my okay. my goal is to always help to educate somebody so they can do it themselves because going to see a therapist gets very, very expensive. And if you just know and you can kind of perceive how the body works yourself, then you can you can save a lot of money. <laughs> well, I just yeah. want I just want it to be known. I'm against uh, fascism in all its forms, whether it be the yes. animal kingdom or the plant kingdom. Uh, I just I think that's that there's a group of flowers that is separating themselves oh. from the other flowers deep. in a way to say that they're you know more valuable. It's good. That's man, plant That's plant fascism is just whew. Oh yeah. So it's serious. I hope I haven't misunderstood the topic. No. no okay, no, all right. Okay. No, you're right with us. Plants, okay. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. The sunflowers, I think. Yeah. As they try to stand up mm -hmm. and you know, present themselves so large. Yep. 
It's yeah, deep. We got to fix that. really, really deep. <laughs> I wonder how much of that you're going to cut out of the podcast, Aaron. <laughs> None of it. It's all there. <laughs> no one's going to care about plantar fasciitis but us. Come on. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you. Uh, you great to talk to you about, you know, being an artist and what that means. And again, uh, if you want to check out Jason's stuff, uh, probably your Instagram. Good way to start to follow you. Yeah. Uh- um, my name is Jason Racco on there. And then also, um, I'm going to have some art on jasonracco.com. Good. Very soon, I'm going to update my, my website to uh, reflect the art stuff that's uh, happening. Yay. Racco, spell that for us. That's a good idea. R-A-C-K-O-W. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Aw, wasn't that so nice? Jason's so fun. He's I a love good that guy. guy. Yeah, uh, great to talk to him. And if you do want to check out his stuff, I highly encourage it. He does really good work. We should be back to our regular programming uh, next week, meaning that we will be recording the show with a live audience on Tuesdays and then released to the podcast feed as normal on Wednesdays. I guess I do want to say that um, even though this went straight to podcast feed, and you, I mean, maybe if you're missing us a little bit, you can find us on Periscope because this week we're in Nashville and we're meeting with various industry peeps. So if you would like to check in on us and say hello, find us on Periscope. You can also, of course, chat with us in band. We would love to have you join us in band if you're not already. Thanks, guys, for shooing the dough with us today. Shoe the Dough is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. Find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Shoe the Dough. Also find out more about Aaron and Danae at AaronandDanae.com. Huge thanks to Admiral Akbar, who did the intro today. Oh, my goodness. If you want to do the intro for Shoe the Dough, you can go to our website, AaronandDanae.com. The script is there. Just send it to us in an audio file of your choosing. Speaking of audio files, also thanks to Chris Tilly for composing the intro music. And, of course, much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support starts at a buck a month and comes with some fun perks. Find out more info at patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, make sure you let us know. All feedback is welcome at Aaron and Danae at gmail.com. That's it. Unless you've got anything else, Danae. Oh, Canada. Okay. Our home and native land. Should I stand up? Do I need to remove my hat? Are you Canadian? No. Oh, okay. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.